Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. I'm Tim Blevins, lead pastor, and I'm honored you have come to join us. To experience our full service or for more information, check out the links in the description. I hope this message ministers to you and helps you find life in Jesus. Come on, Happy New Year. Give a clap out. I'm so happy to be here. What a beautiful time. If you're a guest, thanks for coming with us to be here today. Um, If you're part of another church and your church wasn't having service and you popped in today, well, we just bless you for coming. Go back to your church and have a great time there. But thanks for being with us today. I pray that this year is filled with more favor and blessings than any year that you've had in the past. Can I get an amen? Amen. Hey, before I jump into my message, a couple things. First of all, I want to reflect back on our Christmas service we had, uh, services we had last week. It seems like it was like a year ago, doesn't it? Like last year. All right. It's all good. So during the Christmas service, I told some amazing jokes. It was amazing. So, but um, listen, at both of our services, People gave their life to Christ and rededicated their life at both of our services. So I want to celebrate that. We had a great turnout in our, in our services. And I want to give a, a special thank you to our talented, gifted, and anointed worship team that led us so well. And they do it every week. Can you thank them for that? Hey, this morning when you came in, if you did not get one of these invite cards, grab one on the way out today. But uh, there's a a statement on there that says, ready to be closer to God in 2023. Join us for a brand new series in January, which begins next week called Closer. And we're going to begin 21 days of drawing closer to God. And I want you to be a part of that. And so that's an invite card for you to take to someone else and invite them to church to come with you next week so that they can draw closer to God. There's no better way than to start your year than to draw close to God. And so if you'd take that invite and do that as well. Also at your seat, I don't know if you noticed, but we have a a special connect card this week. And at the end of the service, I'm gonna invite every single person in the room to fill this connect card out. And the reason I'm doing that, and and just FYI, we're going to do it all month long. So all of January, you're going to hear us do this Connect card and ask you to fill it out. And what we're trying to do is to find out who is actually attending our church services and, and who is not with us anymore and they've been blessed at some other house and all of that. So we just want to know who's here. So all month, we're going to just ask you to turn that in. But also on the back, there's a special part because at the end of our Easter uh, services, the following week, we're going to start a series. And in it, we want to find out some topics that you might be interested in hearing us preach about. And so there is a list on the back of some ideas and you can check those that might be of interest to you. There's a spot that's a blank spot. You can write in some other topic you'd love for us to preach about. Also, praises and prayer requests are on there. So at the end of service, I'll give you time for that, all right? And um, hey, listen, before I jump into my message, I want you to know that I I may not have a great sermon today, and and I don't care, um, to be honest with you, because I was a little distracted all week long because we had this little grandbaby that was born into our family. And um, so I just want to show you a picture. Oh, there it is. Look at Haven May. 
So she's either listening to some new beats that are out or she's getting her hearing checked. And, um, and by the way, she hears great. Um, 5.01 in the morning, 12.29, And so we've been just sitting around holding this baby. Harriet and I have been just loving it. And what a great new season. What a, what a gift for Christmas and for just new life for the new year. And so just new life for all of us. Um, so you'll know. If you want to um, touch my heart, all right, um, if you just like, I just want to really touch Pastor Tim's heart, um, my, my grandfather's name is Champ, and so you can just call me Pastor Champ if you just want to touch my heart, that'll be fine. This is Hattie, you can call her Hattie, and, and we'll, be, we'll know that you're referring to her, and, and we'll be like, perfect, perfect. Awesome. Well, listen, I, I was praying about a prophetic word for the year, and and I really have something somewhat simple, but also profound. You know, sometimes the simple things are profound. And I hope that you'll latch on to it, grab it for, for your year. But it's a simple statement that I felt like the Lord said to me, that light will pierce the darkness this year. And so you can apply that in unique ways. So obviously we understand in many ways that the heaviness or the darkness of what's around us. And so if you have a business, then you can say that the light of this business will pierce the darkness of an economy. And you can claim that, like, right? Um, if whatever, you know, if, you're, if your health is down, you can say the light of God's breath in me can pierce through the darkness of, of bad health. And so I just feel like in so many ways that God says that, that in a difficult season, he's going to pierce through and you're going to see him move. So I believe that I'm going to pray over the message as we get started. And if you are open to that word, you can let it be for your life. So father, we thank you that, that because of Jesus Christ, there is light in the world and darkness will not overcome it. And so, Father, for those of us who are in the light, then we walk in light, we live by light, and we are not afraid of darkness. And we claim that this year will be a year of light for us, a year where we, we walk in the light, we see the light, we are refreshed in the light of Jesus, and we walk in the power that comes through light, light that pierces all darkness. And we say yes and amen. Father, bless this message today. Bless the church that's here. In Jesus' name. Can I get an amen, church? Amen. Hey, I want to talk to you about an Old Testament term that has New Testament principles to it. And the term is first fruits. And my sermon title today are, is called the first fruits of the new year. And I want to take us to the book of Leviticus, an Old Testament text, and preach about the first fruits of the new year. So Leviticus 23 9 through 10 says that the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land, which I give you, Hey, let me ask you, whose land is it? Who's given it? So it's God's right. And then he says, when you come into the land, which I give you and reap its harvest, who provides the harvest? Say it again. God provides the harvest. It says, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits or the first portion of your harvest to the priest. So to 
understand what is happening here, you need to understand that the Israelites had been in captivity by the Egyptians for 400 years. Finally, the Lord heard their cry and freed them from bondage. And then for 40 years, they were in a desert journey to the promised land. During this 40 years, God provided for them food. He provided for them the water protection for the 40 years as they journeyed. Now consider 40 years of eating the exact same meal. God fed them manna, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That, that was what they ate, manna, for 40 years. For 40 years, they ate the exact same thing. I don't think we can skip over the fact that now they have entered into Canaan, the promised land, where there's bountiful supply in front of them. Can you imagine how overjoyed they were at the opportunity to eat fresh fruits and, and vegetables and, and beans and grains and, and add meat back into their diet? They had to be overjoyed at this transition, at this new season that they were in. In some regard, they may have been thinking, finally, finally, we can eat from this bountiful harvest. The, the problem can come with that is that they might find their satisfaction in what they have grown rather than finding it in God. They might have said, finally, we can store grain for the future. The caution of that for them could have been, finally, we have security in what we can store in our storehouse, and now we're secure. We don't need God. The, the next thing they might say is, finally, we can buy and sell and barter our goods and services. The caution could be, finally, we can provide for our own needs from our labors. There was a, there was a, a caution that could be on anyone that begins to think that I can do all this by myself and forget where all blessings come from. And so they probably came to this moment where they had a sense of independence and, and self-reliance and, and maybe no need for God now that they had entered the promised land because there it all was. They weren't being provided by this manna on a daily basis where they were reminded that it came from God. This was actually a very transitional time for the Israelites. It's actually a picture between the law and grace here. And the transitional time was how they learned to worship God. In the desert, they needed God for provision. They needed God. Therefore, they worshiped God out of, out of a, a sense of necessity and desperation. Like if we don't worship God, we may not get fed. That manna may not come down. And so there was a, there was a sense of worshiping God out of desperation. But now that they're in Canaan, they had to learn that now that they could provide for themselves, they had to learn to worship God out of devotion and out of dedication and out of commitment and a love and appreciation and gratitude for what God had given them. And so what God did is he understood humanity. He understood our propensity to, to get very comfortable in what we have and forget where our blessings come from. 
And we can get very secure in that I have some money in the bank account or I live in America and there's going to be some way it's going to work out. And there's a sense of, of humanity just becoming self-reliance. And so what God did is he, he wanted to give us a way. He wanted to give the Israelites a way to remember to be dedicated and devoted to God. So we instituted what we call the first fruit or what the Bible calls a first fruit offering as a way to help people to remember that every blessing comes from God. Amen? And that's a reminder for you and I today that every blessing we have comes from our God from heaven above. And so the first fruit offering was this first portion of the harvest. Scott up here leading worship described a portion of that to us today. First fruit offering is the first. It's the first of the grain. It was the first of their livestock. And what it did is it created in the Israelites a way to worship God out of gratitude and thankfulness and devotion because God has provided for us and we want to return thanks to God. The first fruits also was a promise that God gave to the Israelites. And the promise was that when they brought this first fruit offering to God, then he would bless the rest of their harvest and the rest of their year. And so there was a blessing upon when they gave this first fruit offering that it was a, an investment into God's blessings for the rest of the year for them. It taught the Israelites to worship. It taught the Israelites to put God first and foremost in their life. God wanted to be first in the lives of the Israelites and he also wants to be first in your life and in my life as well. So with all that in mind, this brings us to the first of the year. January is the first fruit of the new year. It's the first portion of the year. You are here on January 1 to honor God with your life. And I want to, as we begin this new year of whatever is in front of you, and I don't know what's in front of you, but maybe it's raising children, maybe it's work, maybe it's starting a business, maybe it's your, your school, or maybe it's leading a church. Maybe you've set some goals for your life to, to lose a little weight, save a little money, go to the gym, whatever it may be. Let's offer to God our first fruit offering before we step into all that God has in front of us. And how do we offer our first fruit offering? Well, we offer ourselves. We offer our devotion. We offer our worship. We offer our commitment to follow Jesus in 2023. And so that's why next week we're kicking off a series about drawing closer to God in January so that we together as a church can offer ourselves the living sacrifice of saying, God, we want to worship you and draw close to you and know you and just give you the first part of the year. So when you come next week, we're going to talk about our prayer life. We're going to talk about our devotion time. We're going to incorporate fasting and we're just going to, we're going to just give ourselves to God. We're going to rearrange our lives. We're going to reprioritize our lives to put God first as we begin the year. And I believe that when we put God first in our lives, everything comes into order. When God is not first in your life, then things are out of order. 
And I want us to go into the new year in order and in our lives, putting God first. First fruits is Old Testament theology. It's New Testament truth. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 633, it says to seek first the kingdom of God. So it's, this isn't just like, hey, that's what the Israelites did. And hey, you know, I got to, you know, go, you know, grow some crops and, and take something to God. No, this is, this is what he's teaching us is the first thing we should do is to always honor God, honor the kingdom, seek the kingdom, seek righteousness in him. And then it says, and then all the things, all the things, if you were to go to the context and read all the things that you need in life, God says, I will be there and provide those things. All the things that will be given to you as well. If you put God first in your life, the blessings of God come as we honor God first, as we give our first fruits to God. So would you agree with me on this principle as we get started on January 1, that a God first life is a God blessed life. January only comes around once a year. I'd hate to miss January. Listen, if you're going to miss a month, miss February, don't miss January. <laughs> I'm playing with you. Um, but listen, I don't know what comes around this year. I, listen, I, I don't have like a prophetic word that's going to say that you're going to get the breakthrough of your life and, um, and something's going to change in government. I, I, listen, I don't, I don't have any of that. Um, and so I don't want to give you just a generic, hey, this is it. So I don't know what's going to come around. I, I don't know if the economy will weaken and inflation will increase. Probably. You don't even have to be prophetic to know that. Um, I don't know if you're going to encounter some unusual difficulties this year. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that. I don't know, though, some of you may graduate and be a, a phenomenal year. You may get a promotion this year. Um, some of you may get married this year. You may experience unusual miracles this year. I don't know. But I know this, that whatever happens, I want the full blessings of God to be on your side for 2023. And that's why I'm preaching to you today on January 1 to come back next week because we're going to dedicate our lives. We're going to dedicate the year to him so that we have the full blessings of God because I want to seek him first in the year. I want to offer my first fruits to God so that there is this sense of my gratitude and my worship to him because he's worthy, because he's already done so much, but also for the blessings to come. And so I expect to see all of you back next week. Amen? Amen? Amen. Well, listen, I have made a decision that in 2023 that I'm only going to preach for 30 minutes. That's the longest I'm going to preach all year long. So next week, I'm going to start that, all right? So <laughs> that's how you do every goal, isn't it? Like, I'm starting it next week. I'm going to start losing weight next week. Today, apple pie, you know, that's how you work it. So, so this is apple pie for you today. Hey, I want to take you and I want to just dive into a little bit more of the significance of the principle of first fruits. I want to take us to another Old Testament text. This is Exodus chapter 13. And it says this in verse 11, and it says, and it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites. So here they are coming into the promised land as he swore to you and your father's and here it is, God gives to you. Remember where every blessing comes from. Verse 12 says that you shall set apart to the Lord. And so this is that, that offering. You should set apart. 
I love that thought, set apart. So when you tithe, you're setting apart a portion for God. When you get up in the morning and pray, you're setting apart that for God. And so when you come to church on Sunday, you're setting that apart. It's a special moment. It's a holy moment. You set that apart. So it says that you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. That is every firstborn that comes from an animal, which you have, the male shall be the Lord's. Verse 13 says, but every firstborn of a donkey. So we have an animal, now we have a donkey. And it says that you shall redeem that donkey with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it with a lamb, then you should break its neck, it says. Old Testament's really exciting, isn't it? (laughs) And the firstborn of man, so we're talking about children, among your sons shall be redeemed. So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come saying, what is this? He's referring to first fruits, like what in the world is going on? He said, you're going to say to your son, by the strength of the hand of the Lord brought us out of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. And so I want to just dive into that a little bit because that's a lot of text there. And there's some really rich uh, theology and things to understand. But but we see this principle of first being expressed again. So the firstborn of an animal, the firstborn of a donkey, the firstborn or redeemed of the firstborn of a donkey and then a son. And so there's all this first and, and God just is always about first. And so the thing about what we can learn is, is, is from the firstborn of animals, they must be sacrificed to God as worship. But then he gives this instructions about the firstborn of a donkey and then about your sons, and let me say, it says redeem because redeem means to rescue. Redeem means to, to save, uh, to, to redeem means to, to, to uh, rescue something or replace something with something else. And so what they were saying is, is that, you know, you don't sacrifice your son, you redeem your children through the sacrifice of a, of a lamb, it's teaching us. And so the donkey was in the same way. A donkey had special instructions, a donkey. And so... Um, I don't, how many of you Christmas listen to Dominique the donkey? All right, so, so the donkey is in scripture. Go with me, church. A donkey was considered, now this is so significant, follow with me. A donkey was considered to be an unclean animal and not worthy to be offered as sacrifice of worship. Rather than offer a baby donkey because it was unclean, the owner had to offer a sacrifice of a pure lamb in its place. A lamb was considered to be clean and could redeem or rescue the donkey. And if the owner didn't have a pure lamb to redeem the donkey, then they had to break the donkey's neck and put it to death. Why is that important? Because you and I were born unclean. Listen, Every child, listen, I just had this pretty little, little baby on the screen. You don't have to, we won't have to teach her how to disobey. We won't have to teach her how to be selfish. Somewhere along the way, now listen, I, she's probably going to be the unusual one, I know. But somewhere, <laughs> somewhere along the way, she's going to say, mine, 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 mine. You don't have to teach your children how to embarrass you in Walmart. They know how to do it. Like it's just, it's there. The sin nature is born into all of us. We were born unclean and sinful by nature. 
And like this donkey, we cannot redeem ourselves. And I love what the Bible teaches us that that John the Baptist identified Jesus as the Lamb of God who would take away our sins. And so now catch this. The, the unclean animal like this donkey, donkey was either redeemed or it went to death. Without a redeemer, it goes to death. Without one that rescues us, we go to death. And that's exactly what Jesus did for you and I. He was worthy as a sinless, perfect offering. He was clean. He was the spotless lamb of God that redeemed us from our unclean and sinful life. And all who believe in Jesus are rescued from death and given eternal life because of Jesus Christ. Can I get a better clap than that? Can I get a better clap than that? He is worthy. He is worthy. Jesus was the first fruit offering of God. Jesus was offered first. While you and I were still sinners, Christ died for us. And God gave us to us first. And he gave his best. And I believe that what we can learn from first fruits is that we should honor God first with our life and always give him our best back. That's what Jesus did for us. So if you're taking notes, a couple quick things. God wants to be first in your life. He wants to be first. Listen, God can do anything except be second. He can't be second or he wouldn't be God. If he, I mean, like you can't call him God and him not be first in your life, right? He can't, it's impossible for God to be second. He'll never be second to Buddha and he'll never be equal with Muhammad, right? You know, it's politically correct to, you know, you know, politically correct. It's like, oh, we're all in one religion and, and we're all gonna get to heaven. No, my Jesus is number one. There's nothing that compares. He is first. He said that I am the way. I am the how do you, the truth and the life. Sorry, I got so excited. I forgot what he said. But he said it, didn't he? He's first. Gosh, he's higher than the highest mountains. If he ran a race, he'd come in first place, wouldn't he? If he played for Ohio State, he would have helped him win last night. We're signing him up for the Cowboys. Listen, I, I, I'm going to try to play golf sometime real soon, maybe this afternoon. If I were playing with Jesus, he would score an 18. He would have a hole in one every time because he's first. He, he's always first. Listen, this is the point though, that he wants to be first in your life. He has to be first above our school, above our job, above our business. He wants to be above your favorite sports team. He wants to be above and first before your boyfriend or your girlfriend. He wants to be first before your boat and my golf clubs and the beach. He's first. Everybody say first. first. You remember what the first commandment is? You shall have no other God before me. It's first. He's first. Everything about God is first. 
And he wants to be first in your life and in my life. Practically, what does this look like? Well, it could look like your tithing aspect of your life. We give to God first before I pay the power company. Before I do anything else, the first thing I want to do is to honor God with my offering to him. One, it's worship because I believe that he has provided for me. I go back to what the text taught me. Everything is from God. Every blessing, everything I have, I'm just a steward of it. I'm just a person that just gets to carry around and enjoy the blessings that God has given to me. And I want to bring back to him a portion of it and say, God, this is for you. Thank you. You know, the text said that we bring to God the offering. You know why it says bring instead of give? Because if I give it, it's mine. If I'm like, hey, I'm going to give this to God, then what it's saying is, is I think it's mine. And now I'm, God, I'm really going to do you a treat today and give you something. It would be like if, if as an example, let's say uh, you let me borrow your car and I drove your car around for a week and you were on vacation and you came back and, and it's time to return the car. And I came to you and I said, man, I had the best week of prayer, fasting, and, and, and I, want to, I want to give you this car God told me to give it to you. You would be like, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> that was my car. You're not giving me my car. Give me my keys, you crazy guy. You know, so listen, and that's what we think, you know, God, I'm bringing you this big gift. No, I'm not giving it, but no, we're just bringing back to what's his, right? Devotion, what's practically like the first part of our day. God, I want to, I want to give you the first part of this day. I want to honor you now and believe for the blessings on the day. Listen, the busier you are, the more you need God. And that's how people tend to live their life off this to-do list and this, the urgency of the text and the urgency of, of an email and the urgency of work. And, and we get in that urgency, but we forget what's most important to put God first. Sunday at church, the first day of the week, that's the first day. Listen, I want my week blessed. Even if I wasn't preaching, I'd come. And I would come every week that I could come. Now, I don't mean that in, a, in a, a guilt way. If you, you know, if you have a job that takes you out of town or a job somewhere else and, you know, whatever, you understand. The consistency of your life, though, should be, God, I want to give you the first part of my week. And here we are, first of the year. Amen? Amen. God wants to be first. Everybody good with that? The second thing I want to share with you in the last couple minutes is, is when you bring God your best, he blesses the rest. Exodus 23, 19 says it like this. It says the first, everybody say first. first. The first of the first fruits. Now that's interesting. So first fruits is the first portion, but the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of God. So what is that first of the first fruits all about first? Well, I, I looked up the word in the Hebrew for first and it is rashith and it's R-E-S-H-I-T-H and rashith. And it means the choicest, the finest, and the best. And so what it's saying is bring the choicest, the finest, and the best of your first fruits of your land to God. So in the Old Testament, what that meant was that they could bring, they should not or could not bring a defective or scrawny, 
or mangy or sick or feeble animal lamb to God to offer to God and then keep the best for themselves. They didn't go out there and go, well, well, that one looks like he's not gonna make it, but about three more days. Let's take that one to God and I'm gonna keep this big fat one here, right? So it's like, that's not how they did it. That God says, no, I want the choices. For you and I, it's about our heart. It's about our attitude and our commitment to God. So when, when you give of your tithe or you give of, of your mourning to God or you come to church, it's about the heart. It's about like, like you can't, like, let's say you're gonna give your offering to God and you go, here you go, God. I really needed that and, and I, I really wanted it because I, I wanted to buy some golf balls, but I'm giving to you and, and hope you like it. That would be a sick offering, wouldn't it? That would be like, no. Going to church. Oh, here we go again. They have these services every week. <laughs> Gotta go. That's, that's, like, that'd be a, that would be a, a, a poor offering to God. And so we want to give our best to God. Give our best. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 9, it says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all of your increase. Listen, honor the Lord, whether it's your possessions, your time, your talents, whatever it may be, we want to offer that to God. And verse 10 says, this is why. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. And the, the principle is, is that, that if, you, if you give to God your best, then he blesses the rest. Amen. Well, I want to close with a story and um, serious story, sort of. Um, Exodus 13, let me take you back to this text. It says, so it shall be when your son asks you in time to come saying, what is this? And so the son is asking about first fruit offerings. And he says, then you should say to your son, by the strength of the hand of the Lord, he brought us out of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. And so if you can kind of picture this scenario where a, a father is speaking to his son and, and the son has come of age to take over the father's business. And so the son says to his dad, hey, you know, thanks for turning this portion over to us, to me, and I can't wait to run the business. And, but he says, but dad, I was going through the ledger the other day and I was looking at, at you know, where you bought stuff and sold stuff. I was learning your, your ways and, and I, I saw where you, you, you started giving away these, these really good lambs. It's in the ledger, out to God. And, and he said, and I noticed it happened on a very repetitive cycle, every harvest and every time we had new, new lambs, and then you gave the best to God. And so the son says, Dad, I need to teach you something. I've been off to business school. And I've learned that that's not how you run a successful business. You don't, you don't give the best away. You keep the best so you can sell it. And Dad, I, I was just thinking that, that maybe you can learn from me a few things about what, you know, what we're supposed to do to, to really prosper our business. And Dad, I think you've been getting a little fanatical about this religious stuff and giving away so many lambs. I looked in here, you've given away so many lambs. He's like, I added it all up. And if you had given, hadn't given those away, I, we could have had a lot more. And I think this is where the Bible instructed the father 
to stand up at the end of the table. Listen, boy. Let me tell you something. Years ago, we didn't have an ox. Years ago, we didn't have a harvest. You weren't here when we were in bondage and God delivered us. We didn't have a ranch. We didn't have livestock. As a matter of fact, we were all in bondage and God freed us. And one day I met the Lord, son. And I started honoring him with the best of what we had. And he began to bless us. And so I honored him some more. And he began to bless us even more. And he blessed us and blessed us. And he said, son, you like that house you're living in? Yes, sir. Son, you like that donkey you ride on? Yes, sir. Son, you like those fancy clothes? Yes, sir. Then I'd suggest to you that you honor God with the first fruits of what you have so God will stay in your life and keep blessing you and blessing you. That's how I think that went down. What am I saying to you and I today? Well, I'm not going to say it as sharp as the father probably said it to the son, but I'm going to say to you that God wants to be first in your life. He wants to be first. He will, he will not demand it. He won't force it. He's full of just mercy and just said, let's see what happens. You choose it. He also wants the best of our life. And I want to encourage you this year that if you want to have the best year ever, then you need to have your best spiritual year ever. And you need to honor God with your life, with your finances, with your time, with your talents. I love that we have such a gifted worship team. You know, they could use that talent in a lot of places, but they show up here and they offer it to God. So I want to encourage you in that this year. Amen, church?